It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. I'm Mike Yuba, and alongside me, as always, is intern Joe. Intern Joe, how you doing tonight, buddy? Good, Mike. How are we doing, boss? We're doing very well. We're doing very, very well. Um, obviously, there's a, a lot to get to tonight. As many of you guys know, we keep the focus around football since it is truly a 365-day ordeal. Uh, we'll also get into some other things, too. Um, obviously, the news that came out today about South Carolina and what's going on around the stadium. I know that there's still some question marks about basically what they announced today. We will kind of explain that and hopefully be able to make it a little bit more clear. Um, and we can also touch on some things, too, with the Gigi Jackson situation. I know we talked about that on Sunday night on the hard foul, yeah. Joe, but... Um, I do want to bring that up. I also want to bring up some news involving on three that involves the newest Gamecock commit, and that is Nicholas Harbor. There was some news with him over the last 24 hours, including his, including his NIL. And I think it's going to make Gamecock fans say, hmm, because it feels like anytime we talk about NIL, anytime we talk about the star system, it seems like Gamecock fans want to say, oh, you know, as soon as they commit to South Carolina, uh, he's going to go be a four-star. He'll, you know, four-star to a three-star, or his NIL is going to drop down. Not the case with this one. Not the case with this one. So, intern Joe, again, we had an opportunity on Wednesday night, a special Wednesday night edition of GC Live last week uh, for National Signing Day. And let's kind of just begin right there. Looking back now, we've had a couple of days to kind of process everything. South Carolina's recruiting class for 2023, one of the best they've had. Boy, I mean, you can go back to 2014 when you talk about the blue chip percentage. Um, 2012, I mean, it all depends really what exactly you're looking at. As far as four stars and five stars, South Carolina certainly has that. Uh, I'm, I've just, I've been really impressed in turn, Joe, with how quickly. And I know a lot of it goes back to not just this offseason. It goes back to the last couple of years, building blocks, planting seeds. But I've been very impressed with how quickly USC has been able to replace some of those needs. Now, certainly running back, edge, we know that there's some positions out there that they still need some depth at. But, I mean, look at tight end. I mean, goodness. A couple months ago, you would have thought the world was coming to an end. And now it's just like, man, that room might be even more talented than it was going into last season. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. I mean, what a signing day it was for Beamer and the Gamecocks. I mean, obviously the splash with Nicholas Harbor and, you know, putting the finishing touches on on an already talented 2023 class. Can't really talk about it enough. Um, 
you know, we know that they had a big, big signing day in December. You got your guys like Pop Howard, all your guys that were going to early enrollee, which was huge. Those guys are already in the facility. And, you know, obviously there's been some trouble with a few of them, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that too, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, man, it, what a signing day it was for the Gamecocks. You really can't, you know, underestimate it enough for the 2023 class for Beamer's first, like, real recruiting class, if you will, um, for them to be in the top 15, I believe they came in at 15 or 16, if I'm, if I'm, uh, (laughs) if I'm right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, to be in that, at least the top 20, um, in that 2023 class with the first real recruiting class that Beamer's bringing in, it's huge. And then obviously off to a really, really hot start with the 2024 class already with Mazio Bennett announcing this past week, um, can't stress enough how, how big of a, a flip, I guess you can say he is. He was originally supposed to be a Gamecock and then, um, he, uh, you know, flipped back, uh, or went to Tennessee and then flipped back to South Carolina. So that was huge. Um, we'll get, we can get into the 2024 class later as well. Talk a little bit about our guy, Dante Reno, but, uh, yeah, my, what a big day for signing day. And, uh, yeah, I, I think we had a little bit of fun on Sunday too. The hard foul, <laughs> oh, my, my guest co-host over there. So appreciate. Yeah, we did in, in South Carolina right now. They are uh, 16th, and I say right now yeah. just because we don't expect that to really change too much. I mean, it, there's sometimes a situation where guys will kind of sign on late, um, but I I pretty much think with what you're seeing right now, outside of the transfer portal, which does not get impacted by the rating system that we're talking about here by on three you have a situation where you've climbed up 12 spots from last year okay so we talk about progress and as i've mentioned before i know there's gonna be some people that want to look at the last two years and be like all right well 15 and 11 that's how many wins will muschamp had through his first two years same record and you can go go back to steve spurrier right but obviously the one that you hear a lot more is Will Muschamp. I say that because, in turn, Joe, while, yes, those numbers are the same, the feeling is different. And not everything has to be measured in black and white. And that's one of the things I talked about last week on Quick Slants. It doesn't have to always be measured black and white, especially just two years in. And to see and feel what is taking place at South Carolina. We saw it through the recruiting class with this year. We've seen it already looking ahead to the class of 2024 and just the buzz in that city. It's different. It's different. Okay. Again, it's easy to look at things. And I would have said this, even if they weren't able to land Nicholas Harbor, it's easy to look at Harbor. It's easy to look at some of these four stars and say, man, like, damn, South Carolina is really doing some great things. Yeah. No, no kidding. But the feeling is just different. The feeling's just different. I mean, I covered the entirety of the Will Muschamp era. Right. I arrived there in 2016, his first season, and we saw the highs. We saw the highs with the program. The difference was, and it's not apples to apples here, but the difference was kind of like when you're looking at the men's Final Four team, they did something, and obviously, again, not apples to apples, they did something, they weren't able to turn it into something more. Right? They did something, but they weren't able to get over that next step. This is going to be a big year for South Carolina. There's no question about that. The buzz, the energy, the recruiting class, everything that we're talking about right now, okay, right? It's kind of like last season. They're winning the offseason. They need to be able to find ways to propel that now onto the field. You have your quarterback. You have a talented 
wide receiver slash tight end or whatever the hell you want to phrase it. Because, again, there's tight ends in there. But as I've mentioned, we've talked on this program before, hybrids really. You know, when you look at the tight end position and just how the game has changed over the last couple of years and how it's evolved, I bring these things up because, yes, there are some question marks. The offensive line being one of them in terms of the rapport, starting with the center position with Nick Argiulo coming in from Yale and is expected to be the starting center. But I I like this team. I really do. I'm not going to be one of these people that go crazy and say, oh, you know, they're pushing for an SEC East title. I don't think they're there quite yet. I think this is a team that can finish second in the East. I think Georgia is still a very good team. And there's no shame in saying that. There's no shame of saying, hey, look, you know, you got to get to that point first before you can start looking over the fence and being like, all right, hey, let's talk about SEC East. Get to that point first, you know. And as Jimmy Miller brings up here, intern Joe, I want to get your thoughts on everything I was just saying there and anything else you want to add. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's going to be some position. You mentioned about the rapport with the offensive line. Jimmy, appreciate you watching. Um, but defensively, the edge, some of the linebackers, the – as we've used this phrase all the time, intern Joe, we're talking about proven depth at certain positions, right? There'll be some issues with the offense, with the defensive line. They got talent, but they need proven depth. Linebacker position, they got talent, they need proven depth. And that's one of the things that you need to see if you want to be able to stop the run, in particular, as Jimmy brought up. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I think this recruiting class does a really good job of filling in the gaps, at least. Um, obviously, you were supposed to have a, a really talented edge rusher, too, to kind of fill in the gap with Jordan Birch. But um, obviously, things didn't necessarily go as, as planned with, with him, um, as he was one of the players that was suspended recently. And we again, we'll get into that a little bit. But um, I think Beamer and the Gamecocks did a really good job um, like again, filling in the gaps, filling in spots where they need it. You know, you lose a guy like Zach Pickens. We'll go bring in a guy like Xavier McLeod. He's such a big piece in that 2023 class. And, you know, talking about the tight ends, Mike, you got Connor Cox. You've got a bunch of transfers. I mean, you've got freaking Trey Knox. You've got, uh, let's see, I'm going through it right now. Sorry, I don't remember the Trey Knox will do both. You have Nick Elskin, Elkskin, I don't know, I'm mispronouncing his name, but um, big, big kid. Elksness. Elksness, yeah. Um, he, uh, I, uh, we were at, there was an open practice for bowl practice and he was visiting and man, he is tall, big, big body. It's going to be big to get him in there um, and just kind of blocking it a little bit. And Obviously, the biggest recruit of the class will see Nick Harbour in the offense immediately, I would think. You know, with a guy with that kind of size and speed, you'd be dumb not to at least factor him in one way or another. And I think Dowell's kind of licking his chops. We talked about that on signing days, how much, you know, Dowell was excited to get him in. And and, and I'm sure that was part of his pitch on how he's going to get him involved with the offense right away. And this whole coaching staff seems to be really, really excited about Harbour. And so I think, obviously, that's the biggest weapon offensively minus, you know, Juice and, and Spencer and all the returning guys. But, I mean, fresh faces in terms of transfers and, and recruits. Nick Harbour's going to be the most exciting one to watch. And, I mean, personally, too, for me as well, I'm really excited to see what Dowell can cook up with him um, and, and, and the rest of the offense. Well, I'm glad he brought that up, too, about Harbour. And, you know, there's a great story today on Gamecock Central if you're a subscriber that Wes Mitchell wrote up, and I, I'm, I'm glad that he did. Talking about the realistic expectations, right? There's no question with his speed and the size. And obviously, you know, we talk about size, even though he might not necessarily get bigger, 
he's going to get more massy, if that makes sense. You know, and I, I could be making up words here, but I mean, this is kind of just the way that my brain's programmed when I'm thinking still, you know, in college, when I was, um, you know, going through all the strength and conditioning programs that we had in college. And, you know, you're trying to get more mass on you. We understand that from a track and field standpoint, he really doesn't want to add too much weight, but he'll be able to gain some more muscle, right? Some of that baby fat, even though it looks like he's just full of muscle right now, he'll be able to tack on some more muscle. I mean, that just happens when you go to college. It's it's part of being in a strength and conditioning program. That's no disrespect to whatever high school. I mean, obviously his high school, but in, in this case, but any high school for that matter, it's just different. And obviously the body's still growing and developing and all that kind of stuff. So I bring that all up, getting back to what Wes was mentioning. Um, this, this, this one, one thing that really stood out to me in this article that Wes wrote, and again, you can go check out the full article, you know, as one coach told me, meaning Wes, he hasn't had formal receiving training to this point in terms of route running, learning how to control his butt. So I think that part of it is important. And again, check out this whole story uh, that Wes did. Outstanding piece on Gamecock Central. I think stuff like that needs to be remembered. And that's not to say like this kid can't come in here and be a star from day one. But I think the problem is you have a player like this coming in and it's not the same situation like Gigi is in right now. Gigi's in a situation where there's just, as we've talked about, there's just not a lot of talent around him. That's just, that's just what it is right now. Uh, there's no need to sugarcoat it. They're going to need to get him acclimated but they have talented pieces around him. And I think that will allow him to grow. Big question now is when he does get down there, how quickly can he get acclimated? Right. I think there's going to be a lot of people that hope to see him out there as quickly as possible. And I totally understand that. I don't expect him to be a player that, you know, doesn't really have an impact until the end of the year. I think we could see him, you know, at times early on in the season, but I think they will continue to slowly incorporate him into things it's not that he's not smart we know that he's smart we know that he can pick up a playbook um we know that he's got the speed and he's got the size um but from a understanding of the system that he's going to be in right where you're going out there and you're not thinking and you're just reacting that takes some time when you jump from high school to college some players are able to pick that up very quickly some it, it takes a little bit longer and even though he's very intelligent, how quickly is he going to be able to do that? And on top of that, how is he going to perform? How is he going to be able to develop a rapport with Rattler, who's going to be obviously having a rapport with some of these other guys? And the timing has to be there. So um, realistically, to me, intern Joe, I, I think it'd be one of those things to see him maybe. I don't know. I think we could see him being used early, but I'm not, I'm not holding my breath saying, all right, you know, Nick Carber, he's going to be, you know, a day one starter or even week two, he's going to be start. I think he's going to be, you know, slowly thrown into the mix um, and they're going to build his confidence up. And I think he's talented enough to be able to really take it to the next level once he does get that opportunity. And more importantly, once he starts feeling comfortable with everything. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have growing pains, right? As does any freshman. And I think the fan base needs to realize that and I'm assuming most of them will kind of give him the benefit of the doubt that just like any other freshman in the country you know he's gonna have a learning curve this isn't high school football anymore where you're the best player out there like yes he has the size the speed all of the intangibles to be a really dominant player in the SEC but 
you know, you got to remember he's coming fresh off of high school football. And I, I don't want to say what Nicky Minwari did was less impressive coming in as a true freshman and dominating like he did. But on the defensive side of the ball, it's a little bit more schematically. It's not as much uh, athletically because, I mean, he Nicky Minwari had the size, the frame, everything, all of that. All the physical intangibles were there like Nick. But when it comes down to offense, going against defenders that have played in the league for a little while and, and that kind of thing, there's going to be a bigger learning curve. Personally, at least I think from from an offensive standpoint rather than a defensive standpoint, you know, because uh, Nicky Minwari made his, you know, statement. He, he made himself known on the defense. He, he was in a position to where, you know, he could get in and kind of just go to work, really. Um, and, and the expectations weren't super high on him. Um, you know, he, he was able to go in and, and produce um, – it's not like he was filling in for Cam Smith is kind of what I'm getting at. Like the expectations were kind of, you know, him filling in and then go do what, what you can versus Nick Harbors. The expectations are going to be pretty high for this kid. So uh, I'm, I'm saying, you know, there's going to be a learning curve. Um, and I think a lot of the fan base is going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. And, and understand mm-hmm. that, that he's only a freshman and that it's, it's going to come. Um, but, but be prepared for that. And then I think, you know, too, I, I think Spencer is obviously a, one of the bigger pieces. And then another guy I'll bring up is to carry on Joyner um, because I think he's going to be such a big piece in, in terms of like leading a guy like Harbor. Um, you can't think of a better example than to carry on Joyner and, and Beamer's talked about his leadership on and off the field. And so I think to carry on will be perfect for ushering a kid that's this talented in and, you know, kind of getting him in the culture and that kind of thing and really kind of showing him the ropes as a veteran guy, I mean, Mike, we talked about it on Sunday at the hard foul. The problem with Gigi is that he doesn't have a veteran. Well, Nick Harbor has multiple veterans. He has got a veteran quarterback. He's got a veteran wide receiver. He's got a bunch of people around him that will be able to, you know, influence him and, and make sure he's, he's in the right spot um, athletically and, you know, gets the playbook down and all that stuff during summer camp. So I, I think Harbor's um, situation is really, really good going into the season, especially with the leadership that's around him. So I think, you know, the sky's the limit as to what the kid can do, but obviously there will be some kind of learning curve for him um, as, as there is any freshman in in the league. Yeah. And look, you know, offensively with this team, again, I know there's going to be a transition. There's going to be a learning period with being able to bring in a guy like Dow Loggins, which obviously the benefit is you have him in the spring. Right. He's going to be able to get acclimated a little bit quicker. Um, it's not like you have to wait until the summer. I mean, sometimes these things happen. That's not the case with this. So um, or even sometimes, you know, you're not making a hire right away and it's a little bit. quick. So what I'm trying to get at is Dow has been able to develop a rapport, obviously, with the recruits as well, but with the guys that are in, in that building and they're slowly learning the terminology that he wants to use. Um, and he's getting acclimated to some of the strengths and weaknesses of these guys. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure he's had numerous conversations with a lot of those starters already in trying to figure out what they can do to be able to build off of some of the success they were able to have last season. I understand that there are going to be people that are going to be skeptical, right, about the fact that Beamer's bringing in a guy that was coaching in the NFL and, you know, he hopped around. Bottom line is this, though, okay, and I've said this before, the guy – was coaching some teams that just weren't that good, okay? Just not that good. Go look at the average lifespan of a coach in the NFL at a lot of these spots. You know what I mean? I mean, you're going to have your Bill Belichick, you're going to have your Mike Tomlins, and obviously those are head coaches, but you're going to have coaches that are there for a while. These coaches, they usually just don't last that long. 
they're hopping around all the time just because that's just the way the league is. So I bring that up because, number one, I think it's silly. I think it's silly to come up with some type of assumption about someone because they, you know, that's what they were doing in the NFL. That's number one. Number two, though, number two, it's the NFL versus college, okay? Again, not the exact same situation, but you look at Nick Saban. Nick Saban coached in the NFL. Nick Saban, the NFL coach versus Nick Saban, the college football coach, night and day, different, right? Uh, Billy O'Brien, a lot of Alabama fans were calling for his head after this past season. Billy O'Brien goes back to New England now. He's the offensive coordinator. People in New England could not be happier. So what I'm trying to get at is it's not always as, all right, you know, he's going from the NFL to college. He's going to college. Don't get so caught up with that. Don't get so caught up with that. I think Dow's going to come in here. I think obviously, as he alluded to, there's going to be some changes that he's going to have to learn as an offensive coordinator that he's worked with, right, during his brief time at Arkansas, that the hash marks are a little bit different, right? The NFL, it's a little bit more tighter. College, a little bit wider. So that changes things up a little bit. That changes the what you're going to do from an offensive standpoint sometimes based on outs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, I bring that up because there's going to be a learning curve with it. But I, I think I, I'm excited to see what Dow can do. It's going to be challenging, though, in turn, Joe, early on, because you do have a difficult schedule. Um, awesome opportunity, though, against North Carolina. No question about it. You go up there, never mind the fact that, okay, they're your, you know, they're your, your rival on your state border. It's a great opportunity to be able to beat someone that you're also going up against in recruiting. I know it's so easy to get caught up in, okay, it's always SEC or even Clemson here and there. North Carolina is a team that you can't sleep on when it comes to recruiting. Bryson Allen Williams, I mean, he's up there coaching, you know. he, he, he You have people that understand how South Carolina wants to attack recruiting. They know that there's going to be players that they want to go after that are in their backyard. This is a golden opportunity to be able to send a message that, hey, last two times we've beat North Carolina. We've played them. We beat them. Good opportunity. And it was done in their backyard since it's in Charlotte. Yeah, Mike, I'm really excited for that game for a number of reasons. And I'll touch on the NFL stuff here after we talk about this. Um, But I'm excited because it's an opportunity for Spencer Rattler to go up against another kid that's going to be in his draft class, right? Drake May and Spencer Rattler is the matchup that I will be watching that entire game. And I think it's going to be a really, really, really good one uh, in terms of the quarterback play because Drake May is a super talented kid. And I think it's Spencer's first chance to really go up against somebody that's going to be in his draft class and, and really going to have a chance to show what he can do and and start strong too. Right. Cause that was his problem this past season was, you know, looking at his tape, all the NFL guys were, you know, he, he finished strong. Yeah. The last couple of games of, of his film were great, but like, where was that the rest of the season? So I think it's a really good opportunity and I'm sure plenty of motivation for Spencer going into this one, playing up against a guy as talented as Drake may. So I think it's a big, big deal for, for South Carolina, especially too, with recruiting, like you mentioned, Mm-hmm. Um, still to still hold the advantage up there um, too. And I think you're right. The adjustments from, from the coaching staff from Dowell adjusting back into college, but you're right. He was at Arkansas too. But um, I think the biggest piece that really isn't talked about enough 
um, with the staff. And like, we've seen it working these past couple of years in the Beamer uh, era is like how, how many NFL guys he does have on staff, right? Yep. Sterling Lucas and Jody Wright, like those guys were instrumental in, in, in landing Harbor. And, and I think to get a guy like Dowell too, it's a really big sell that um, it's, it's a big sell because you just, it was, it was big for Spencer to hear that, you know, the NFL side of things, right. For, for a guy who's been in the NFL for a while, it's big for him because Dowell is going to help Spencer, you know, increase his NFL draft stock. And, and, and it also helps with recruiting, obviously, because you have guys who have been in the next level. And I think that's how you, I guess, level out the playing fields when you don't have the NIL bag, right? We talked about this on signing day, again, going up against a school like Nike, it's the relationships that you build. And it's when you have guys, coaches who have been in the NFL and know how to coach NFL talent and get guys prepared the NFL it kind of levels the playing fields when you don't have all that money to offer when you're in college it's like well hey we're going to get you as ready as you can be to go be a player in the next level and go make all that money there so I think it's a really really big um, you know advantage for Beamer and his staff to have you know as many guys as they do that coach in the NFL and, and also you know have adjusted to coaching in college like we've seen how the defensive ends have played this season. Like I, I thought Jordan Birch had a pretty good year um, for the game. Cox, obviously he's gone now, but what Sterling Lucas has been doing, especially in recruiting too. Another guy he's got his eyes on is Dylan Stewart. I've heard mm-hmm. that recruitment is going very well so far. So good. Uh, but I think to have a guy like Sterling Lucas and then Jody Wright too, we've seen the tight end play, um, you know, grow and grow. And especially with a guy like Nate Atkins too, there have been players that have grown, and developed under these two coaches. And, and there's more on the staff that I'm not mentioning, but obviously I wanted to focus on Sterling and, and Jody, obviously because of their, their importance um, with Nick, but like, yeah, we've seen development and, and, and the way that these NFL guys have been able to adjust to the college game and, and coach guys. And, and one thing Dowell talked about was how all of his players have class now, and it's different from the NFL when they don't have class and they can work 24 mm-hmm. seven to see Sterling and Jody kind of adjust to that and already show results in the development of players should be a really, really good sign um, for the fan base and for everybody around this program. They should be licking their chops that, you know, they got another guy that's, that's been in the NFL and has seen it and done it and, and has out recruiting um, like, you know, he has been. You mentioned the out recruiting part. You mentioned uh, Maisie O'Bennett a little bit earlier. Obviously that news came a little bit later after yeah. signing day came actually on Friday, Mazio deciding to stay home the Greenville four-star athlete. And, uh, of course, we know that South Carolina was recruiting him hard as a wide receiver. Now, as you mentioned before, he was committed to Tennessee, decided to decommit, opened up his recruitment, and then a couple months later he decided to go with Tennessee. What I mean, uh, go with South Carolina after uh, being at Tennessee from, uh, from a commitment standpoint. One thing I can tell you is this coaching staff stayed consistent with him stayed consistent they were just absolutely ruthless um in all the good possible ways you could say the word ruthless but on top of that too guys like dante reno guys like you know we, we cam pringle the guys in the class of 2024 did an outstanding job outstanding job and when i was informed that mazio was going to decommit and we actually had a video about him decommitting that's how big of a news that we, that we felt it was going to be from a Gamecock Central standpoint, because as soon as that happened, it seemed like it was a done deal that he was going to go to South Carolina because that's how much he enjoyed it. That's how much he enjoyed the environment, the people, the other recruits in his class. 
the recruits that are even part of the class of 2023, guy like Pup Howard. So I bring those things up because, again, you're going to see these, you know, the recruiting prediction machine could be leaning one way for the class of 2024. A lot of these players, a lot of these players are making their commitments a little bit earlier. And one of the reasons why is a lot of coaches out there, in South Carolina included, they're encouraging players to make those commitments a little bit earlier. Why? Well, a couple of reasons why. One, it helps the coaching staff out a lot, helps them out a lot, because you think about, two with the transfer portal, some of these numbers that you have to worry about, trying to figure out, okay, how many quarterbacks we have in the room, and this, that. It helps the coaches out a lot. On top of it, though, on top of it, from a player standpoint, you're able to make that commitment, and then you're also able to help from a recruiting standpoint, right? I want intern Joe to play for my team. I'm committed to South Carolina for the class of 2024. I can go after you. I can say, hey, Joe, you know, and then, you know, you got someone else texting you all day or sending you a message on Instagram or whatever the case may be. These guys want to win here. They want to win. We hear so much about this me mentality in the NIL era. And don't get me wrong. There's guys out there and they want to make their money. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But at the end of the day, too, you want to come out and you want to win. You want to win. And I think Beamer's bringing in guys that want to win. That want to win. There's going to be guys that transfer out every year. Just get used to it. If the rules stay the way they are, guys are going to transfer out every year. Okay? Will those numbers begin to slowly, slowly get smaller and smaller over the next couple of years? Once, as some people like to refer to it as, the Muschamp era? I don't know. I mean, I think it's easy to sit here and be like, yes, right? Because you have that commitment that you made to the head coach that is still there. So, like, I understand that. But at the same time, too, I mean, look, Alabama's a talented school. They had more players that transferred out this year than South Carolina, right? I mean, if you're bringing in talent, and that's what the hope is, right, that you're bringing in enough talent and that you're competing at these certain positions, whether it be quarterback, wide receiver, offensive, whatever the case may be, that you're going to have so much talent there that some guys might say, you know what, this isn't for me. You hope that you don't bring guys in like that. But you hope that you're able to get to a level where it's kind of like, man, this is really iron chopping, sharpens iron right now. And guys that want to be here, they're going to stay. They're going to stay. Um, and you're able to develop really a, a factory at that point. I mean, that's the way I look at it. It's a factory. Yeah, Mike. And I'm working on an article currently. It's funny that you brought up the importance of having guys in recruiting classes that are willing to go out and recruit other guys. I think it's it's such a big big piece right and I think that it says a lot about the culture that, that Beamer's building here um I talked to our, our good friend Dante Reno about it um and like I said I'm working on the article it should be coming out later this week um I believe but like it's very important and it's 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 a big thing for this staff too to go and get guys that are going to recruit and like all the guys want to win right Mike like you mm -hmm. said all of these guys that, are, that have gotten recruited want to win it. And the buy-in factors, outrageous. It's crazy, Mike. It's, it's unlike anywhere I've seen across the country yet. Like, you know, I've seen for the bigger schools, a lot of guys are, you know, from, from the way I see it is they're, they're kind of opting into or they're, they're kind of committing to kind of, you know, get theirs, right? But, like, for this, you know, recruiting cycle and for this class at least, and obviously for the 2024 class even more so, these guys are already out recruiting. Dante talked to me for, you know, 
15, 20 minutes, whatever, about how important it is for him to be the number one guy in the class and to be able to go recruit guys from, mm-hmm. from the jump and, and how he wants to go get guys that, you know, want to be here and, and, and make it feel like it's a family from the jump. And I think that's it's big. And um, Beamer talked about it in his signing day presser too, about how how big Tree big tree was and, and, and how big pup were in landing Nick Harbor. And obviously there were a couple more guys that were involved, but you can't really mention them yet. Cause they're obviously 2024s um, or signed today or signed Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I think what a big Testament of this culture is having the guys that go out and recruit and how many guys go out and recruit publicly. And it's, it's all of them, Mike. Every single guy in this recruiting class is very adamant on getting, you know, guys that they want, guys that they, you know, yeah. want to have in the locker room, guys that feel part of the family. Um, I think it's a really, really, really big, like, uh, and I'm really glad, big... and I'm glad Lynn brought this up. You know, fellow recruits are reaching out to other recruits. You know, because yeah, exactly. you, you have those dead periods, right? And mm-hmm. and, and uh, let's let's not let's not pretend like it didn't happen before, right? I mean, this has been going on for years. The difference is now it's so much easier, to Lynn's point. It is so much easier. And they can do this when they're in class, right? I mean, I know Mrs. Johnson or whoever, you know, teaching, you know, algebra uh, in uh, seventh period or whatever the case may be. They might not be thrilled that uh, Dante Reno might be shooting a text or whatever, trying to get get someone to be the newest Gamecock. But, I mean, that's the reality of it is that these these kids have – easier access to be able to communicate with these other recruits. It, it's not like it wasn't there before. And I don't want to, you know, date myself here by going back and talking about, you know, AOL instant messenger. And, you know, we can go all the way back to, you know, uh, the, uh, the pony express with a carrier pigeon. But, you know, the point being is they're taking advantage of it. And you can have that at your disposal, right? Every recruiting class has it. Every one of these kids has it. I mean, I guess, you know, if you really want to be a wise guy and you could say, well, I'm sure there's some schools that have, you know, cell phone policy. I get that. Okay. Wise guy. But the whole point being is it comes down to everyone has the ability to do it right now. These student athletes in high school. But number two, and this is the most important part, you need guys that want to do it. Right. And when we talk about from a recruiting standpoint all the time with these coaches and how you can read BS now more than ever before. These guys that are pitching it from one high school player to another, they have to be genuine about it. They can't be coming across as a used car salesman, because if they are, then that recruit during that dead period or even during the time period when it's not a dead period. You know, and they're just trying to reach out. They're trying to be able to get that next four-star, next five-star to be able to commit to South Carolina. If they're pitching it and they come across as not genuine and that BS, you can just smell it. It just comes right through that freaking phone. They're not going to be interested in it. So not only is it the fact that they're doing such a great job with it, it's coming across authentic as well. Now, Big Red says, so players can communicate with recruits, but not coaches. That is correct. Um, and there's all these different, you know, social media rules. I mean, maybe one day we'll do a story on that on Gamecock central to kind of explain it because things have changed. Um, you know, one thing in particular that we've noticed is when a kid commits, right. You can't tweet at a player, but you can retweet a player. Like there's all these different things that, you know, 
I'd say I'm making this up, but like five years ago, I mean, it's probably been three, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember exactly when it switched over, but there, there was a period of time where you weren't able to do those things. You can retweet a kid. So I always think that is interesting. But as far as Mazio goes, you know, being able to land another talented in-state player, right? Another talented in-state player. USC now has what? Five commitments for the class of 2024, all four stars, all four stars. Um, it's, it's, it's massive. It's what massive. Again, I got to look at South Carolina right now is currently ranked seventh. And this is, this is always the, this is always the best part about these rankings because at the end of the day, we know that um, we know. And, and again, it, they're seventh, but in the SEC, they're ranked fourth. So, again, and I know some people always like, you know, they like bringing that stuff up. I guess it's fun to talk about. But I think the reality is, as we all know, is the SEC, it's it's the best conference in the country for a reason. And never mind the fact of the, the TV deals that are changing, right, uh, with, the, with the switch over to ESPN. Never mind the addition in the next couple of years with Oklahoma and Texas. The SEC, if you think the SEC is big now, just wait, just wait for another five years. Um, it's I mean, the NFL is on another level with things like you, no one can compete with the NFL. You just can't. Even if you're not even a fan of the NFL, go look at the amount of money the NFL is generating. They own a day of the week. Mike. It is. It is absolutely incredible. Like you can't you can't compare it to anything. Um, so I say that because if you're trying to think of that next big thing, especially in the states, right? College football, SEC football at that, it's it has the potential to really become that next big thing. And don't get me wrong. I know the NBA, Major League Baseball has gone through and up and down the last couple of years. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big hockey fan, but I bring that up because the SEC with football, especially adding Oklahoma and Texas, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Think about the money that they're going to be generating even more. Yeah. It's – uh, and speaking yeah. about money, intern Joe, okay, we want to be wise with our money. We want to be able to make every penny go as far as we can. But you know what? That's not always easy to do if you're just a Scrooge um, or stooge, I should say, like intern Joe and I. Sometimes you need some help, and that's why we turn on over to Liberty Tax to help us overcome that taxiety. Tax season, you guys are getting your forms. Fill them out. Fill them out. Want to be able to get your money back. Liberty Tax, they'll help you out. Give them a call. 803-462-5576 to be able to help you overcome that tax anxiety. And today's show is also brought to you by Clint Hammond, intern Joe. A guy, Clint Hammond. Uh, Clint Hammond is a mortgage, our mortgage sponsor at the Movement Mortgage Network. Give Clint a call at 803 803- 576-4450. You can give him a call at again 803-576-4450. Again, I'm not I, I'm lucky enough to not have to work on a mortgage, but Mike, on the other hand, has to deal with all the all kinds Well, of in turn, Joe, you're one day you're gonna turn into a big boy and you're gonna turn into Joe. And I want to apologize to Joe there. I don't think he was ready for me to toss over there. He he was taking a, he was taking he was taking a he was taking a swig of water. So sorry about that, intern Joe. Yeah. Um, that's all good. 
But yes, no, Clint, Clint has been a longtime sponsor of Gamecock Central and has, has, done, has done an outstanding job with GC Live being our main sponsor. Uh, we've mentioned it before, but Clint has helped out so many people in this area, um, in the Midlands and obviously in the Columbia area in particular. He helped out former Gamecock quarterback and captain Perry Orth. And Perry highly, highly, highly recommends him. And I'll tell you right now, right now, if you're looking at a bu- buying a home next couple months, it's going to be the time to do it. Give Clint a call. He'll be able to help you out. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I guess speaking, speaking about money, if you wanted yeah. to get into the, 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 the north of a billion dollar, I think, your estimated billion dollar budget that's coming to Gamecock Park, yeah. um, crazy to think about that. It's, I mean, Tanner had his presser today. I couldn't find it online, but I, I got the Spark Notes version. Um, they're, they're developing the 800 acres of land that's behind the football facility between the facility and the river. Um, a couple things going in there. I've heard a golf course possibly, um, mm-hmm. is one thing that, which I'm excited for. I'm a big golf guy. I could probably, uh, you know, take Mike out and, and kick his rear, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for that. And obviously I think it's a lot of big things coming to Williams Bryce too, if I'm not mistaken, um, a couple restaurants, hotels, a lot of, it's a big facelift for sure. So here's the best way to describe it. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard this already. Um, there was obviously a lot of rumors that were circulating. I mean, the first I heard of this was first I heard of this was, I want to say in August and you know, the bottom line is this, there's a lot of stuff that people kept adding to it. My favorite was, you know, about the fairground and all that. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on. And I was just like, can we just get to this freaking day where it's just announced? And the reason why it's not as simple as saying, all right, here's what's happening. Here's what it's going to look like. And the reason why you needed a day like this for South Carolina to come out and to announce it is because some of it is still an idea. Uh, because, you know, the big thing that we have to wait on is, you know, the university issued a formal request for information on Tuesday. So we have to wait. We have to wait for that to get to go through that RFI. And once we get through that point, then we'll have a better understanding of what exactly will be in place in that area. Um, I, I think it's going to be incredible. Um, Kevin says, I'm totally confused on this project other than the land available. Can you maybe help me better understand what, what it's going to look like? Okay. Um, and there's obviously multiple phases with this, and I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. I won't really even get into like the stadium talk and all that, or you know what's going on I'm, over at. I'm pulling um, up the map right now. Okay, as to where it would be, and what's going on at Colonial Life? You know, just strictly speaking about that 800 acres of land. Um, I think. I mean, intern Joe, stop me if I'm if I'm wrong. Um, is that 800 acres of land? Does that include the other area? I read, uh, I just I want to make sure. So. Okay. Bottom line is this, that area right there that you're seeing from intern Joe. Okay. Think of it in terms of the battery that they have out in Atlanta with the Braves. That's what they're trying to, to do from my understanding. I've also been told that they're looking into creating a golf course. Um, now, as you can see, on your screen, if you can, um, Williams Bryce is right there. That ops building, the ops building is a little bit to the left of the B that C right in front of that. That is where the, 
that's where the indoor practice facility is. So I say all this, I say all this because I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do over there. Um, I can tell you not, not that I want to give my address out, but I don't live too far from that area. And I know there's some people that maybe rent condos or, um, you know, they come down, they have their, their football house during the season. I bring all that up because I can tell you that from, you know, personal experience, I know I've been up in Boston the last couple of months, but I'll be back down there actually on Saturday um, living back down there for the next couple months that I want to see some more things around that area. I think having the football stadium there is obviously incredible. Um, yeah, big red. We need Clint Hammond to come over and explain no, the land issue. Great idea, big red. Um, you got Bo Jangles there. You have Jay's corner, right? Um, you got river rat, you know, I think they just celebrated their 10 year anniversary. So shout out to river rat. Um, so you got, you got some places over there, but I just feel like there's just not a, there's not enough. And I think being able to do something like this, it's really going to Kevin. We don't bring that up. You know, I can't say that word, Kevin. I'm a Bojangles guy. I got the, I got the endorsement. I can't say that. What are you doing? Take that down in turn, Joe. <laughs> um, but I, but I will, what I will say though, the idea of, and again, we mentioned it before, but just to just to reiterate on it, because I know there's going to be people wondering exactly what restaurants, what this, what that, what bar. I get that. We have to wait for the RFI to come back, you know, before we actually know exactly what's going in place. Bottom line is South Carolina is taking advantage of having a bunch of land that they're not even utilizing right now. I mean, that's why I think that's the biggest thing about it is that they have all this land in turn, Joe, and people are going to be coming there to – build on that land they're going to be renting out buildings all that kind of stuff and the university is going to be making money off that on top of it all on top of it all it's going to be a tremendous way to be able to bring more people down into that area i know one complaint that i hear a lot is that the football stadium isn't where the college is right that it's off campus compared to some of these other colleges that you have being able to build something like this, it's going to bring that attraction. It's going to bring that attraction. Uh, I feel like, and I and I got down in Columbia in what 2016. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people that are on here that are listening, you guys know what I'm talking about when I say this. But I mean Gervais Street, excuse me, that intersection between Gervais and Main Street, just that whole area, right? I mean, all the way down, it's starting to really take off. Um, obviously, you have Hall's Chop House there, but there's many restaurants, many restaurants. I mean, there was only one restaurant that I could think of when I first got down there other than, you know, R.I.P. the wig on the corner. Um, I think it was Market on uh, – what, what was it? Market on Main's there now. You got Cantina, 76. A bunch you, of them. Oh, my goodness. There was one, though, that was like one of the first ones that, that was there. Um, big Main Street guy. Main Street, Main Street Public House, I think, is what yeah. it was. And that was actually an old sponsor of our, our TV show um, when I was at Watch Fox. And that was like the only thing that was on that street. It really wasn't that much. And now you have roof deck bars and this and that. And it's just yeah. incredible. So I say that. I say that. And obviously, you know, there's been developments over near Bull Street. But I say that because – that's about, I don't know, that area is probably like seven minutes from the stadium without traffic, not on game day, not game day traffic. So you're about seven minutes away. 
And then you have this, which is literally, literally a Jackie Bradley throw away, you know, from the stadium over in that area. So it's, it's going to bring a lot. Um, I, I'm interested just to see how they're going to utilize it all, right? I mean, I think we mentioned the golf course part of it. I think you would assume, you would assume that A lot, C, B, and, and look how it's, it's broken up, right? Look how it's broken up. I'm interested to see if there's any if they if they have a plan to put certain things in certain areas. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think one thing too, like when I and obviously being from South Bend, I'm gonna bring up Notre Dame. But last time I heard a billion dollars, um, you know, get thrown around for a project. I you know, last time I saw that was when they upgraded Notre Dame Stadium, um, and Notre Dame Stadium was a shell of what it is now. Um, and I can, I mean, that picture's an insane picture before and after I found one of those today because I was making a point to some of my buddies. But billion dollars goes a long way, Mike. It goes a long way. And Notre Dame built up their entire outside of the stadium. And now I know this was being used mostly for the land. They're going to make a couple improvements to Williams, excuse me, Williams Bryce. It's going to be huge. But um, yeah, there's a lot you can do with it. And I mean, you don't need all 800 acres of land for a golf course, you know, especially if it's 18 holes, nine holes whatever like Notre Dame's on campus course is only nine I'm assuming they're going to make it 18 here and make it a public course which is also what this town needs um because there there's some private investors taking over one of the public courses um that's becoming private now so this the city needs a new public course and so everything that I've heard from the golf course proposition is that it would be um public um and then yeah there's just so much land there and so much you can do with it and also too to big getting to big reds um you know, comment. I think, yeah, absolutely. It'll help in terms of recruiting, like, you know, just looking at the infrastructure of it all, obviously it's not going to be done in the near future. Um, you know, I think the timeline that they put onto it, if, if the, you know, um, the offer and, and all of that stuff gets through here within the next year or so, I think the timeline they put on it is 10 to 15 years. So obviously we're not going to see the payoff. Immediately. And, who knows, and, I, and I'll say this too, intern Joe, who knows exactly what it will look like? Because yeah, this was exactly. another question. This is another thing that got brought up. Is will this be like the new five points? I don't. I, th- I think there'll be. I think there'll be places. But you know what I mean. I, I think everyone's going to have their own kind of place there, based on, of based land, on what man. based on what they're trying to do over there. I think there's going to be so many different places. Because if you go, if you go to the battery, right? And I've only, I, goodness, I haven't been there in what maybe eh, two years, um, but. You know, there's different places that are kind of like you go here, you go there. It's, I feel like there's going to be based on what what it sounds like they're trying to do, and that's why I don't want to say there's going to be X number of bars, X number of this, X number of that. Um, and I, I don't want to, you know, I keep saying the battery. I don't want to paint in everyone's mind. It's going to be an exact replica of it. Um, you know, if anyone's been up to Massachusetts, Foxborough. Gillette Stadium, they have Patriot Place, and that's more, you know, there's also places you can go shopping. There's also restaurants. I, I think you're going to get a combat. The, the more I think about it, I think you'll see more of that. Um, but I think it's going to be good because, again, it's going to bring in more traffic, foot traffic. And I think on games game day, too, you know, everyone that talks about the complaints about, you know, traffic on game day and this and that, I don't know what they're going to do from a parking standpoint, but they have a lot of land to work with. They have a lot of land, to work, land to work with. Mike. Um, and you one know. Thing I did want to bring up too, is like, I remember the, the rumor that they were going to buy the state fair and the state fair was going to be part of that. 
I believe now that's been squashed. The state fair lives on, uh, which can, I mean, to some people it's a traffic nightmare, but also to other people, like to me personally, I love having a state <laughs> fair game um, and having that lot be a recruit or a uh, tailgating lot. But like the state fair game is one of the coolest things, at least from a Yankee standpoint. Uh, like I think the state fair game is one of the coolest ones. Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I mean, in a perfect world, um, and I know well, there's going to be people that love the state fair and stuff. I would have loved it being there, but at the same time too, and I think this is so important to remember, this is not costing the university anything. This is their land. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So instead of having they, to go buy If they were going to have to do that, they would have to acquire it. On yeah. top of that, mm-hmm. on top of that, as you see, you see that, you see that stadium, Williams Bryce, look at the amount of land, look at the amount of land compared to that stadium. Just think about that. That stadium is across the street, of course, which you can't see it in this picture, is across the street from the fairgrounds. My whole point is, look at the size differential. Look at the opportunities that you're going to have to be able to build here. I am interested to see what they'll be able to do if there'll be any type of transportation, because one thing that they did mention is that they're not moving Williams-Brice Stadium which I know is a lot of people that live around the stadium. I know they're going to be very happy about that, talking about investments. Um, They're going to be happy about that. So I think that part of it's important. I do see some of this, and Kevin, again, some of this stuff, I I really don't want to hit too much on the stadium stuff because some of it's still up in the air. Um, And this is more hearsay. I'd like to be able to get more information about it, but some of the things that I'm hearing, at least, I'll put it out there, okay? Nothing's in stone. That they're looking into putting more padded back seats. That's one thing that I've been told. Um, and yep. because of that, that could lead to fewer, ste- fewer seats in the stadium. And they're also possibly looking at adding some more suites. So I know when people hear, oh, well, you know, they're, they're taking seats away because it was, what, 80,000 a couple years ago. Now it's down to like 77,000. This is what I'll say, okay? Whether it goes down, I'm making this up. I'm not saying it's going to this number. I'm being a little bit more extreme here. If it dropped all the way down to 70,000, the days of people going to the game like like it used to be, it's just, it's done. It, It really is. Because when you look at the ability that you have now to be able to watch it on TV and just how crisp things are, on top of the fact of how many people just enjoy being able to be part of tailgates more than anything, right? People really enjoy that stuff. They enjoy it. Now, if you go to the game, you're going to be treated a little bit better because they're going to enhance that fan experience because they're going to, like I said, add more padded back seats, at least base again. Like I said, this is hearsay. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think we hear so much about, you know, stadiums adding this many seats, stadiums adding that many seats. I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, we talk about it for men's basketball or even uh, just basketball in general, women's basketball. And I know football's king in the South. But Columbia, compared to some of these other areas, it's just not as big, right? It's just not as big. So I don't think it's a bad thing that if they do cut back, I don't know, a couple thousand seats to be able to enhance enhance the fan experience. Again, the padded back seats being one of them. Um I know some people are going to be like, oh, more suites. That's exactly what we need. Well, honestly, and again, this might not be something that people want to hear, but honestly, intern Joe, I think it kind of is. And here's why. 
with where things are going right now from an NIL standpoint, and you need to, you need to be in the back hip of your donors unlike ever before, the collectives as well, right? And the collectives, universities working hand in hand. So if you have to build those relationships even stronger, you really want to show those people how much you care about them. And you really want to be able to take care of those people. And if you show them that you're investing in them, you're hoping that they're going to be able to come over and invest in the product, which of course would be through NIL. Or if there are donations down the road that would go to the university, that would go to the athletic department, that they're going to want to do it. There's always going to be people that will do stuff like that. There's no question about it. I've only been down there for a couple of years. The loyalty Gamecock fans have to their university, goodness, goodness. But at the same time, too, we talk about this new era with NIL. You need to continue to find ways to adapt. You can't just assume that things are always going to work out the way that they happen. You know, you have to continue to adapt. And I feel like, again, this might not be one of those moves that you're thinking will directly, like we're doing this to directly impact NIL, but I think it will help because it's going to enhance the experience on game day. And if you do have more suites, again, this is all hearsay about that part with the stadium, not confirming that. If you do that, I think you're really going to be able to build up stronger relationships than you even had before. Yeah, Mike, I think one thing, too, again, I'm going to compare it back to Notre Dame because that's where I'm from, so forgive me. But one thing in that development that they did was they built up the entire another press box on the entire side of the stadium. They, have, mm-hmm. they added four levels of suites. And, you know, it, it, I've been in there. Um, my dad furnished that side of the stadium. It, it's beautiful, and I think it's, it's a big piece to an NIL, but also one thing I did want to get to and, and what I did see from coach Tanner today is that, you know, he was talking about like how it's not really going to, it's going to impact obviously a little bit uh, on like the seating and stuff like that, the logistics, but he said, it's not going to really affect the game, the typical game day experience. Right. He said, you know, the average fan is still going to be able to attend games. There won't really be yep. a price hike for the normal seats and stuff. He said, it's, it's still going to be affordable. It's still going to be there, but what's going to be different is what you were talking about. The more suites, the more attractiveness for the NIL dollars, because right to Kevin's point, there is only the one suite and it's not the biggest thing in the world. Uh, so I think by adding more, it really entices donors and everything. And, you know, being able to house all of them uh, is a very big deal. And there's been little things in turn, Joe, too. I don't know if you've had a chance to experience it on game day. I've had a chance to experience it is the Cockaboos club. Like there's little things that they've done in terms of enhancing the game day experience where it's not going to this level of, Oh my goodness. Like, you know um, you know, I always call it the wine and cheese the wine and cheese uh, crowd. It's, it's not just going to the wine and cheese crowd. The Cockaboos Club, I think, is incredible because it allows you to be able to still have that experience of being, you know, in the end zone or whatever, right? But then you're also able to enjoy nicer bathrooms. You're able to enjoy maybe uh, a little bit more access to certain drinks or food or whatever the case may be. So there's little things like that. I think that's always good. Um, I think the reality is, is look, I understand – you know, there's different parts of the country when you talk about how much $100 is actually worth, right? $100 in Massachusetts. I actually remember reading this on um, – I'll have to see if I can pull this up. I don't know if it was Wall Street. I'll have to go 
figure out where I found it. Sorry, a couple weeks ago, like a hundred dollars in Massachusetts might actually only get you like seventy two dollars. You know what I mean? A hundred dollars in South Carolina might get you like one hundred fourteen dollars. So what I'm trying to get at is, obviously, over time you're going to see increases to everything, right? Um, so it might, you know, you might look at it and be like, you know, man, I have to pay a little bit more for this, a little bit that. Everyone's going through it in some shape, way, or form, um, and, and it sucks. I get it. You know, it's already expensive as is to go to one of these games or find parking. And Olin bringing it up, I totally get you. I totally get you. And hopefully, it doesn't get too crazy. Um, but at the same time, too, man, let's say you don't want to go into the game for whatever reason. This is going to give you that option. Go over there again if they build it up over there, and you know, and, and I hate it. Uh, I haven't had conversations with, uh, you know, some of my friends in the five point area, you know, uh, Brian Glenn, Village Idiot, some of those guys. I'm interested to hear what their thoughts on it, because that area has really turned into a place where, you know, I think back to the final four um, when the men's team made it and just how that place was just absolutely packed throughout the entire tournament to the point when. They won. Everyone just ran out to the water fountain. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. So I say that, those things because I don't know exactly what this will look like. Um, I don't know if this will be necessarily a place where all the college kids will go to. You know, I, I again, I think you'll get a little bit of mix, but I have a feeling it's more so going to be, you know, it's going to be inclusive. Um but I think you'll also get that feeling of people that are young adults up to, you know, their forties, fifties, six. I think everyone's going to have that feeling where they feel welcomed. And uh, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great. And going back to another thing, intern Joe, it's that added environment that you can be able to show, you know, and, and yep. That's what we've been talking about. Yep. Yep. The it battery like an MLB stadium renovation, like what they did in Wrigleyville too. It's just the the tough part about it is is just the fact, and I know Big Red brought it up. Based on those, based on those layouts, and if you know that area, you don't need to necessarily see it. But based on those layouts, you know that that's a hike. That could be a hike from a walking standpoint. Now, hopefully, hopefully, what this will do is this will create some more parking spaces over there. I don't know. I think maybe. You know, we'll worry about it in the next 5, 10, 15 years. If you could find a way to be able to create another uh, bridge or highway to be able to get people up. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what they did at Gillette Stadium all those years ago because there was just one way in and one way out. And now there's multiple ways in and out. Um, so I, I say that because, yes, there's going to have to be certain things that you're going to still have to do over there to correct some of those concerns that people probably already have in their head. Um but I think another thing, too, that should not be overlooked in turn, Joe, I know we hit that hour mark, we'll wrap things up shortly, is okay. that when you're talking about the game day environment, right, and you have parents come out and you have Uncle Joey come out and the aunts come out and the sister and the brother, whoever the case may be, this is going to be one of those other destinations to be able to bring them by. And then you're yeah. bringing them with their son, and they're looking around saying, wow, wow, just look at this. Look at this, you know? So um, in Big Red, yeah, I mean, I think it would be great if they could, if they could create a shuttle program. Um, well, again, one step at a time. Um, we'll see exactly how things lay out because, as we mentioned before, there's still some things that they're working through um, because you got to go through 
the R the the um excuse me as you can tell I'm so big with my real estate stuff um they got to go through all the um the RFI stuff so once they have an idea of what restaurants will be there and this and that I mean I've heard again I've heard different ideas about grocery stores which again if you live in that area or even on game day think about this never mind living in that area which would obviously be incredible um to be able to have a grocery store finally there think about on game day. Think about on game day, that grocery store. Holy cow. Oh, man, shoot, I got to go get a bag of ice. Oh, shoot, man, let's go get some extra hot dogs. Oh, man, we got to get some beer. Think about that. I mean, granted, Greens is right down the street, but you get the point. I mean, the the ability that you're going to – oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, Mike, from, like, a college kid standpoint, you're right. I like the point that you made about – uh, like a place to take your family. Like, I mean, I love Jake's and I love, you know, five points, like shout out to your guy, Brian Glenn and village idiot. Like that's where I took my family, um, you know, when they were here, but I think it, it does offer another option. That's not as quite you know, or like a bar in five points, you know, cause five points is it's very student. I guess run, if you will, uh, you know, a lot of student traffic down there and it's not necessarily somewhere you want to take, your family on game days. Um, and, you know, just because it is kind of a greasy college bar kind of vibe. And so, I mean, having this option of, you know, expanding restaurants, that kind of thing, whatever, uh, it gives another option. Number one, it's closer to the stadium. Two, it's, it's you know, it's it's a little bit more, it's an upgrade for sure from from the greasy college bar that is, you know, a, a bird dog or a, or a cotton gin or something like that. And I, shout out to cotton gin and bird dog. Fantastic bars nonetheless. Shout out after I just called you a greasy bar. But, yeah. Well, hey, no, 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 no. I know, it's, I know. It's your joke. We know. Yeah, absolutely. Like, as a college student, I am a big fan. But it's not necessarily someplace my mother would, would love, to say the least. But uh, And also our guy over at Cotton Gin does a fantastic job of recruiting. <laughs> Um, so in, in the big board, um, which I'm a big fan of keep doing that if he's watching. Um, but anyways, yeah, that, that, that's my point. And then obviously I would love a new golf course because intern Joe's not going to be allowed into the carton, cotton gin of bird dog. You watch. I will not be out. Um, no, I, I, I do look bottom line is this, and I've always said this before, just kind of like, you know, having different Gamecock news outlets, right. You know, you might enjoy Pepsi over Coke. You might enjoy this over that, right? I mean, there's all these different channels um, for the news. There's obviously different outlets. They got Gamecock news in particular. Everyone kind of has a preference. And I think the more options that you give people, it's never a bad thing. Uh, I think if anything, again, you know, you talk about jobs, you talk about opportunities, you talk about growth in the Columbia area. Um, I know some people in South Carolina don't want to hear this. But more Northerners are just getting the hell out of Dodge up in New England. They like going down to warmer places in the South. And uh, it seems like Florida, they've realized, you know what, well, let's go check out another place. South Carolina could be that next place. I could see someone right now saying, damn it, just pounding on the table right now after I said that. But the point being is, um, you know, look, Columbia, in my short time of being there, and obviously a lot of you that have grown up in the area or at least have been there a hell of a lot longer than I have, you've seen Columbia really grow over the last couple of years. And I'd say, like I said, the last six, seven years in particular, not saying that it hadn't grown before that, but that's the time period I've been in there. I've seen it, especially over the last five years. So again, I bring these things up because I think having something like this could be, when you hear Ray say it could be a game changer, it's not just the cliche line. It's the God's honest truth. 
it can really be a game changer for multiple reasons. And I also think, too, again, it kind of creates, right, instead of having Williams-Brice Stadium intern Joe as that stadium that was kind of – and just to point this out, this isn't a Clemson shirt, okay? It's Holy Cross because someone asked me, shot me a text saying, are you wearing a Clemson point. shirt? Um, so, you know, again, instead of having Williams-Brice kind of just being that building off to the side, by building this here, like I said, Main Street, right, that's only seven minutes from Williams-Brice. Now you're creating williams Bryce, and you're making it kind of the focal point. You're making it the center of it all. Um, is that going to be the way that it always is? Of course not, right? Um, but I also think, too, you know, shoot, you look at Colonial Life Arena, right? Not just basketball games, concerts. Now you have an opportunity to not just go right next to, you know, um, the Vista area. You can head on over to whatever this area is going to be. I mean, we keep saying – the, the battery, kind of like with Truist. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's another thing. Forest Acres is growing uh, tremendously, and I know they're going to be investing even more money for a project they have um, in store. So, you know, look, today's a good day for the Gamecocks. Today's a great day for Columbia, um, and I, I'm very excited to see what happens. I will throw this out there. I have no idea some of the places that are, I would love I would love, love, love. Intern Joe, you know how much I love this. I would love, I would love, love, love a bowling alley over there. Okay. I know there's one not too far from Heathwood Hall, but I would love one. I would love one. I'm a big bolero guy. You know me. I got my own bowling ball, big bowl. I would love a bowling alley right there. Love a bowling. So I don't know who we need to talk to. Um, but if anyone out there is interested in making a bowling alley there, Mike would be very happy. Plus, I think it would also be another good way to have intern Joe bring his mom out without going to one of these places he feels is a greasy establishment. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we need a Bojangles theme park. I love that. Great, I know. Well, hey, Mike, I mean, if we're going to close the show by talking about what we want in that spot, I mean, personally. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Hey, real quick, real quick. Anyone out there that's watching, let us know what you want, okay? I know yeah, joking oh, yeah, about great, yeah. angles and stuff. Yes. It could literally be, you know, a pizza shop. I really don't want to see another pizza shop because you know how unless it, unless Brian Glenn decides to make one over there, village idiot. Um, but let me know what, what are you guys thinking? You know, because right now they're in the process of just going through some yeah, of these ideas, and I'm sure they've had conversations. <laughs> there, there would be no, no height. There, there would be no height no. requirement, John. No, no. height requirement to yeah. ride oh, the drive. <laughs> what would you be interested in seeing? I mean, one thing that I did mention, because again, if you live in that area, a, a grocery store would be awesome. I think that would be awesome. And I think that would be good for people that live in that area. But I think it would be also fantastic on game day. Because how many times do you see someone say, oh, shoot, I need some more ice. Oh, shoot, you know, I want to get some more hot dogs. Oh, shoot, we got to, you know, I think that would be great. John yeah. wants to go see a <laughs> go-kart track i'd love that i'm a hell of a driver uh but i mean again like i said I'm, I'm waiting for that golf course because i'm tired of driving 20 minutes outside the city if i want to play golf 20 25 minutes 30 minutes outside the city to go play golf um and because of that i haven't How played crazy is that though any I, I, like, I lived on the north i lived on the northeast side when i first got to south carolina i wasn't oh, too no. far from like spring valley and there were some places that weren't too far from there but 
then I got closer and closer of living, you know, downtown or closer to downtown or like I said, you know, not too far from um, the stadium now. And there's like you said, there's really no golf courses. You like you really have to go well, out there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I'm I don't want to toot my own horn, but like I'm a decent golfer when I want to be. But like I haven't been able to play at all because Oak Hills is 30 minutes outside the city. <laughs> and it's like. Well, yeah. there's also SE Scout guy. Again, there's also talks, and this is why I don't want to say because when they're going through this process right now, and I think some of you guys get this, but I really want to make sure I'm harping on it because they're going through this right now with the the submissions of um, RFIs. We're gonna have to wait and see how things play out. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> I think Will wins. Will wins. Oh my goodness! The David Musters do. The David Musters is a fantastic idea. But because because they're doing because they're doing all this, some of these things that I've been hearing, they're not concrete. So I don't want to be you know again. If I say some of this stuff, I don't want you going to the water cooler tomorrow at work and saying, "Oh, Mike, you from Gamecock Central saying this is happening." Okay. I know some of the ideas though, also out there, are building uh, more condos over there. Um, Top golf. Uh-huh. Student housing. Student I don't know how sure. much of it, you know. I mean, I, I'm sure that would be something that they're going to look into. Um, but I mean, more condo options. And again, when you talk about condos, you're talking about really being able to build that community. I don't think it's a bad thing to have, you know, especially that area, right? You have the stadium right there. And there's a lot of people that rent out literally, they, they own the property, right? Or they're renting it out just for those friggin' seven games of the year. Okay. But they're still paying for it year round. People love doing it. It amazes me. It amazes me that there are so many people that really want to get a place right next to Williams Bryce. And I get it, but like how difficult it really is because there's not a lot of places. Like I can tell you there's certain places that I looked at not too, you know, around the state. Like it's incredible how difficult it is. Yeah. Really incredible. So I bring that up because you do this again. The, the university is selling this land to them and saying, "Hey, you want to go do th- great?" They're going to make an absolute fortune. Absolute. What is this? A cockaboose trolley? Oh shit, Mike. Yeah, that's genius. Make it like an actual like train tracks. That would be awesome. So sick. Um, I hate it. I also saw the the Top Golf comment, Big Reds. I think that you put the Top Golf behind Colonial Life by the river. That's that's right because you get the golf course behind the football facilities because you got more land. But then that's you put the Top Golf over there. Plus, I mean, Gervais Street's developing at an insane pace anyway. So give me a Top Golf over there. You're gonna. I mean, obviously, you're gonna want to build things in both spots. But I really feel like they're gonna go all in. Oh yeah, near the football stadium. Yeah, hundred percent. They're gonna go all in. Now we can sit here. We could sit here. You you could sit here and make it make a case that there's more foot traffic. Um or more more nights, excuse me, near Colonial Life Arena between basketball games and concerts. But I mean, then again, it's football. I mean, seventy thousand people, you know. So I mean talk about foot in that one area. So you talk about foot traffic. I mean, I don't, I don't know how it all maps out. I mean, you'd really have to do a breakdown of it. I mean, 70,000, seven games a year. You do the math compared to, I don't know, 
10,000, women's basketball, 11,000, whatever the case it is. We'll just say the number 10 right now just for an easy number. I'm not trying to shortchange anybody. And then men's basketball, I don't know what the heck they've been getting. We'll be generous right now. We'll say 5,000. Um, so, I mean, I mean, you would assume basketball in the concerts would generate more foot traffic. But obviously, as we know, not everyone's going to be wanting to go out every single night, right? It's not like it's the Braves game where you have a crowd of whatever the heck that stadium is. What is that, Joe? 30,000? I don't even know how many people fit in that stadium. Um, but, you know, the difference is not everyone's going to want to go out every single night after a, a men's or women's basketball game. Concerts? Yeah, I could see that. But football? Absolutely. Absolutely. One o'clock game, you're done. Four o'clock, you're heading on over there. Seven o'clock, you're done. Whatever, 10 o'clock, you're heading right on over there. I don't even know. I, I kind of wish we could call it something because we have nothing to call it. We're just calling it like that area, the 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 South Carolina battery. I, like, I don't know what the hell to call it. Yeah. I mean, it's similar to what the Cubs did with Wrigleyville. Um, and I'm, I mean, big Chicago guy. I'm sure you guys have seen the, the flag behind me. Um, but can I grow it up near Chicago? It's, no, it's pitch dark. No one can see it. Uh, there, I, it's, I've, you can't see it right now, obviously, but uh, yeah, growing up south side, north side of Chicago, um, my dad's family's from there and everything. And the, the Cubs did the same thing; they turned the you know entirety of Wrigleyville into Cubs land, pretty much. I don't, I mean, that's what they just call it. it's Wrigleyville now, but I mean, it's all Cubs themed restaurants and everything, and they've just kept buying out little spots of land. And obviously, it was all developed already because it was you know middle the heart of chicago but uh similar thing and we see a lot of mlb ballparks doing it now and it's kind of transitioning into the nfl now where they're starting to buy up land surrounding the stadium and, and going from there kind of a what, what jerry did with jerry world down in dallas so mm -hmm. i'm really excited um i'm posting a poll on twitter um of what you guys would want to see i'm giving you four options but respond if, if i didn't hit on any of them i'm taking the four best ones that i personally i, I thought uh, but yeah, reply if you don't see one and, and uh, let us know what you guys want to see. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this plays out. I'll, I'll say this. Um, Mike's Wi-Fi. I'm in, I'm in the good room now. I moved on up into the conference office. Um, so we are, we are in much better Wi-Fi territory. I know last week I was back in South Carolina, so we used my condo Wi-Fi. Then the week before that we were in this room. Um, so we made some upgrades. We will be caught the coop. I like it. Big red. I like it. Um, no, but I, 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 my guess would be, my guess would be over the next goodness. Now these are based on, you know, this is me learning on the fly with real estate and how some of this stuff works. So there's probably someone out there that knows exactly what the hell's going on. Um, and they're going to be like, Mike, you're so off. But based on some of the things I've been able to gather, don't be surprised over the next 30, 45, 60 days, you start to hear more information. I'm not saying South Carolina is going to come out with a list, you know, in that time period. And they're going to say, all right, we're going to build a, you know, Ronnie's beef stew place, you know, like I'm not, no, but I wouldn't be shocked if we start to hear more trickle, uh, you know, ideas start to trickle out like, all right, Hey, they might build a restaurant or Hey, you know, the grocery store. Oh yeah. They're building this, you know? So I think there's been 
I think there's definitely been some conversations over the last, I mean, you could probably say even the last year. Um, but the university, I'm sure they've had conversations with some people already. It's just going through the formality of it all. And hopefully in the next couple, what, month or so, um, hopefully we'll start to hear some of those trickle out ideas, right? It's like coming on out. And uh, that'd be great, you know. You know, SC Scout, this would be a ton of hype for them to come out and say they are building a grocery store. <laughs> look, hey, look, as, as someone in the neighborhood, I would like to have a grocery store, okay? I would absolutely like to have a grocery store. Now, they're not going to come out if they did SC Scout guy. If they came out and that's the first thing, like, you know, they have like, I'm just thinking like they have like a model, right? And they pull the, 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 the sheet off and it's just a grocery store like ta-da and they're not using anything else. Maybe they got a bunch of palm trees around the grocery store. Um, okay. I understand that. Um, I think, I mean, shoot, we've joked around about it, but there's so much land out there. There's so much land. There is so much land. Um, goodness. It's someone big red. Do you know a real estate guy who can explain it to you? I know. Well, I wouldn't be shocked if Wes and Chris, with the uh, million shows they're doing between GC Live and uh, 107.5, I wouldn't be shocked if they have um, Clint on to explain some of this stuff. 100%. I'll say this. I will say this. Let us know in the comments, too, if you want us to. I will. between, Between now and next week, between now and next week, I will work on um getting one of our real estate buddies on here. And when I say real estate buddy, there's also always a Gamecock twist to it, a Gamecock that people would remember very well. So I will, uh, I'll talk with him. We'll see if we can set something up so he can come on. And he can explain some of this so that uh, you guys could be actually more educated instead of uh, two jabronis up here trying to talk about real estate. Cause I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I, I, I know about the principal and this and that. I can't tell y'all. I'm not going to act like I know what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to that. But what I do know is, what I do know is that there's going to be something exciting right behind. I keep saying the ops building. That's the area I keep referring to it as but the Spurrier uh, indoor practice facility right down the street. It's going to be great. Move the whole university there out of Columbia traffic. Uh, one thing that we have not said that they're going to do. I heard they're actually going to have um, they're going to have a train track over there. Ooh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I want to... <laughs> somebody said a bat, a Bass Pro Shop um, on Twitter. That's a great idea. I love that. I was going to say you'd have you, you'd have you'd Bass Pro Shop does pretty well at Gillette Stadium. Um, they have one at Gillette. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. At Patriot Place, man, they they got everything out there. That's Mr. So Crap is, I. Uh, it's it's one of the biggest ones too. Uh, goodness, you have a Bass Pro Shop in the South. Goodness, um, yeah. Southerners would be eating that up, oh, fishing, and I mean, shoot, maybe I, maybe I'd start going fishing. You know, I mean, if I, I could Bass Pyramid too, I, I love that. But like I said, I want the golf course. I need to I need to break eighty this summer. Like that's the goal. Okay. We got we got to break eighty. I'm trying. I'm, all right, we got we'll, we'll, well, one last cool comment, and we'll we'll sign on out. Travis Edward goes. Who wants to start a tailgate specialty store that we can put it out? I'll tell you what, Travis, now, now you have me thinking as soon as I get off this, I'm going to make a quick phone call. Um, 
man, maybe we'll invest some money. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get some property over there. I don't know. I got a little bit uh, waiting in my college funds still left. That a boy intern, Joe. You'll have loans and everything. You'll be absolutely to me. Blow off the loans and then pay it off with with this investment. That's right. (laughs) Ashley says, "Got to have a Walmart on the land." I'll say this: God bless the South. As much as much as I've always hated on Walmart because I just did not understand the fashion, the fascination about it. Because it's not really. I mean, Walmart's up here in Massachusetts, but like it wasn't. You know, especially my girlfriend who. From the south, I did not realize how much Walmart is just absolutely beloved in the south. Uh, when I worked in Mississippi, Walmart was like it was like a freaking cathedral the way that some people treated it. So, I'll say this once they closed a Walmart in the place that I used to live at, there was a Walmart that wasn't too far away. Once they closed that one, I realized the impact of not having a Walmart near you. So, yeah. We could uh, – someone said rafting, Big Red, rafting on the river. I like tubing down the river. I don't know if I'd go and uh, – see, I've never been in that part of the river, though. I don't know if there's some gators down there and stuff. I mean, I know my parts of the river, which are – I'd say from, like, the Riverbank Zoo, and then you get off – The river one. Right around the – where what? What is it called? The Black oh, Rooster? Sure. Black yeah. Rooster? You know yeah. that's where you get off. That's typically where I where I tube. A Walmart neighborhood market might make sense. <laughs> a big red. <laughs> I don't know who put it out there, intern Joe. Somebody right, actually the Photoshop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd pull it up, but my laptop's gonna die if I don't. I don't know the uh, Charlotte White Water Center. I wouldn't mind another Riverwalk. That'd be sick. Big fan of the Gee. one. Yeah. All right. No, that's yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right, guys. We're gonna wrap it up. We've had a fun night. Um, yeah. again, we appreciate you guys tuning in. It look, it's always fun talking about Gamecock football. And hopefully, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we will be able to share when that spring game is going to be. It appears to be that it will take place in April. Um, and as South Carolina has always tried to do, they always try to have as much input as they can in terms of trying to line things up because, well, I think we're all expecting knock on wood women's basketball team to make a deep run. You know, the masters are certainly always in the mix. Easter is there. The end of the day, you're never going to have a perfect scenario of being able to have something where everyone's going to be happy about. But, um, you know, I, I have an idea of when it's going to be. But um, we'll wait for that official announcement before we go with that. Um, and then we will, uh, yeah, talk some more football and get ready for spring football because it's right around the corner. Appreciate everyone tuning in tonight. If you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. You can listen to this show in its entirety there. Or if you're more of a fan of listening to podcasts, this episode will be uploaded later this evening. As soon as I get done, it takes about 20, 30 minutes or so. Uh, you can listen to that in its entirety as well, or if you just want to listen to it tomorrow when you're at work or when you're heading in during your commute. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuva. Appreciate you guys listening to GC Live talking Tuesday nights. We'll do it again next week. Go sign up, sign off on my Twitter poll. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.